Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August the 16th, 2022. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, long-winded... Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing some games that we've played, Crusader Kings 3 DLC Prices Hiked by Paradox, Google Stadia's Demo Room Removed from New York City's Google Store, Nintendo Faces Sexual Harassment Allegations, and from the community corner, Rockstar's GTA Plus subscription service could launch on PC. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How 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 are you as we we fake this <laughs> this conversation intro? We've got uh, I like Frank uh Frank. Craig now tells you how long you've been recording for while it's recording. So let me go over here to the Craig channel. Craig has been recording for 36 minutes, and we were talking for about 30 minutes before we started Craig. Well, we had to cover some Franken content because I had live stuff last week uh, from the week before. So so I guess I should put that one out uh, there first, huh? Uh, Life stuff. Uh, Well, well, uh, a couple of life things. Uh, First of all, I got married a couple weeks ago. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, not to you. <laughs> Don't you Aww. wish? I do. I do. First of all, illegal. Uh, and second of all, if the Supreme Court co- keeps going their uh, way, illegal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dean and I uh, got married a couple weeks ago, so I uh, had uh, the niece over last Tuesday and wanted to spend time with actual niece instead of pseudo niece. To be fair, she did ignore me most of the time and just played on her phone, but still, you know, wanted to be there, right? Well, that's what the kids these days do anyways. Playing on them damn phones, brr. So that's mostly why I didn't have a show last week was, yeah, uh, kid had to be here Tuesday for band, cap, band camp on Wednesday, uh, and actually, uh, and stayed over Wednesday night into Thursday as well, so I ended up making pizza last week, and I made a lot of pizza. <laughs> pizza is good, though. Uh, and uh, one other thing was I pulled my mouse apart and uh, was able to fix it. Turns out uh, I-, I was right. It was very fixable. It was just I had a uh, little hairball uh, stuck in it. And it was blocking infrared uh, transmitters that I didn't know was even in a mouse until I started researching you know, what the issues could have been. So the more you know... The more you know. Um, yep. I did. I did not have any issues last week, but since we weren't recording, I went to bed at like ten. I was very tired last week. I've been a very busy boy. I've been doing lots and lots and lots of work around my house. Uh, every weekend, fixing things, being being a being you know middle aged man doing doing middle aged like married man stuff. Like, mm, yes, I built a porch swing this weekend. I, it was a kit. It's not like I hewn it from, you know, wood that I chopped down from the forest behind my house. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I assembled the kit and then pulled the chain out of the box. And I'm like, this ain't going to hold my fat ass. <laughs> so I, ha- I have to go get more chain. Did some pressure washing, some some IRL pressure washing. Yeah, we'll get to that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. For uh, me, it's mostly uh, been just uh, uh, last couple weekends was doing some cleaning. I've been putting off. Uh, yeah, but mostly vacuuming actually, which is kind of a pain when you have cat uh, when you have cats because uh, two of them will freak out and the other one just sits there and stares at it because that's the deaf one and she doesn't like the vibration machine. Uh, but sits there and watches me fight it. <laughs> it, it it's very cute, but at the same time disconcerting just to see this little white cat sitting there staring at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're making the floor vibrate. Stop that. So, yep. uh, uh, speaking of things we should stop, uh, games we played? <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, talk about some games that we played. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go yeah, first? Uh, I could go first, and you could go into your first one, then we could kind of share the second one. So, okay. uh, before we leave, oh, we should do games we played. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, we be- should. Uh, okay, so before we leave is a Game Pass game that I played a few weeks ago. I, I, I kind of uh, I fell off of it, and I looked at it again just to kind of get notes on it. And I'm mixed on it. Uh, I think both the games I pl- uh well, uh, this one and one I'll talk about next week kind of fall into like that B tier category of a flawed game that has some interesting ideas on it, but there's better out there that I'd rather spend my time with. And this one has some really neat ideas. So the idea of this is kind of a mixture of uh, the Settlers series meets uh, I want to say like Banished. You know, Town Builder with uh, a 4X Exploration and eventually getting off-world and, like, some solar system uh, exploration as well. All on a a hex-based, like, Civ 5-esque... Well, actually, let's go Civ 6 map, all right? Okay. And it does a really good job of selling you, you know, this odd world that's just completely devoid of... Well, I don't want to say devoid of life, because there's trees and stuff, but, you know, devoid of, like, you know, civilizations and uh, one of the big things is it's a, 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 a like a 4x light game is exploration and research and research is something that really really ties this game down that in its red mechanics slash well kind of the exploration system on it as well uh so let's get into the road uh, system first because that ties into everything else this is a hex based map system, alright? And, like most of these, you can only have one thing on a hex grid at a time. Makes sense, right? Yep, tracking so far. Everything has to be connected to a road, and the map uh, maps, uh, the continents are somewhat crowded. So you're either bulldozing and cutting down a lot of stuff, that you just can't replenish, or you're kind of spreading things out over a very, very large area and making, like, food uh, production one area far away. Uh, Town center, uh, you know, over here, trying to piece in little um, houses uh, together. And there's also connectivity bonuses where, you know, like, uh, houses will get a bonus from one another, uh, 
a warehouse next to ha- a house might get a, a different type of bonus and you could preview them. But it also makes it so that uh, there's a lot of gotcha moments on the city planning because they un- uh, they uh, you unlock something. It's like, well, shit, uh, if I knew that was coming, I would have built this over here. And that's why I kind of give it Civ 6 is that it feels like a game that you're supposed to restart over and over and over again and kind of perfect each stage of the uh, game instead of playing the game you know, and figuring out as you go along, which is annoying. And the research system is also highly, ignore, highly ignoring. So it has a tech tree, as you do. Uh, and research is based off of these different orbs that are spawned on the map in varying piles of orby goodness. All right. And there's various flavors of the Skittles because, yeah, they kind of have these little things. So, uh, the first tier, I believe, is green. Okay. Well, to once you research all the green tech, the next tier of research is green. And red. Well, unless you're on like some sort of supercontinent, there's no red research available until you explore and go to another continent, which leads you to having to deal with uh, trade lanes and sending ships back and forth, which is a bit cumbersome, or uprooting all your research and sending it over on one you know, bulk to essentially the new world and rebuilding your research there or your research facility and continuing the check tree. And it's just this, I'm not sure why they did this. And this is on top of needing a secondary building to essentially send people out to go gather the orbs and process them into research knowledge that then is used. You know? Yeah. But the game is actually pretty complex with a lot of moving parts. There's, um, as you unlock things, you unlock like different uh, crops that different continents could uh, grow. That uh, some uh, soil uh, can't grow, like tea, for example. Uh, which uh, giving more diversity to the uh, to the the peeps food. That's what they call the uh, individuals. By the way, is peeps. Uh, and no, they are not marshmallow uh, chickens. They are not. It's still cute though. So. Uh, giving more diversity of food and giving luxury food like tea makes them happier, which makes them <clears throat> uh, less prone of you know just doing nothing, right? Uh, very basic. I'm not sure if there's a thing going on with uh, uh, if they could revolt or something. I know that there's no direct combat. There is appeasing space whales eventually, but... That's more of a resource sink than anything else. And that is also an option you could turn off. <laughs> but for it being a town builder, I also felt really disconnected from the peeps because you, know, you spend so much of the time building these uh, supply chains that you don't really care about the individual people. And they just kind of go in between everything very quickly. It just... It, it might just be I you know, didn't try hard enough on that one. But I just felt a little bit, you know, like the uh, the camera was set a little too high, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you, uh, where you're more focused on the colony as a whole and not the individual moving parts. Yeah. 
I will say that the map uh, mechanic is really cool. So uh, uh, the world is always a globe, even whenever you've discovered a little piece of it. So you know how, like, well, Sift isn't a good example on this, but you know how in the early stages of a 4X game, you know, you, uh, it's very obvious that you're on a very small piece of the world, but it restricts you to just that little section that you've explored. On this, you're always on a globe, so you can actually spin it and kind of get a sense of just how big the the planet is. But it's kind of pointless until you've explored a bit. But you, can, you, know, you get that sense of, oh, this is a planet, and you know, just spin it, and you can see you know, like the curvature of the planet, which is cool. And it has a neat effect of uh, as the ships and explorers move, because you have explorers that grab research or and explore you know the land, and then you have uh, different classes of ships. You have trading ships and exploration ships, that sort of thing, which will also go out onto the ocean, and it kind of pops in the tiles around it that it has this neat effect of filling in this uh, sphere, and it's just. I, I thought it was a really kind of deep thing of showing, oh yeah, this is a planet. This is a world, right? It is uh, procedurally generated, so there is that. For better or worse. Uh, and I think the other thing is uh, outside of the uh, the road system being convoluted and wasting a ton of space is uh, there's a lot of moving parts here, and there's a lot of stuff that keep track of things. But it's buried like two or three menus deep to the point where there's no way to really monitor it without constantly going back to the this like sub menu and going to like this full uh, screen you know, graph view, which just feels really weird. There's a few things that it does keep track of at the top of the screen, like most games like this do, but it's limited to like food resources, that sort of thing. But if you want to keep track of, like, the overall demand of, like, water, for example. Uh, and that's, like, another thing is that, you know, uh, wells could be dug, which will improve the amount of uh, houses that, uh, uh, population that uh, could live in individual houses. So you want to keep track of, you know, it, what's my water demand compared to the amount of product I can make? And you could set the warehouses to, like, pull water in and have it stockpiled. But there's no way of knowing, you know, am I on a positive or negative uh, demand cycle on this, right? Without yeah. going into the graphs. And then it's a little bit like, okay, does this mean I'm good on water or bad on water? Until you watch it a few, for you know, a few seconds, right? Yeah. And it's nice that they have all these graphs and stuff, but it's so buried that it feels pointless. For all the times that they have pop-ups, especially whenever it's stuff that I'm also in the process of doing, like repairing a generator to uh, generate essentially power orbs to go run the blacksmith, uh, or uh, using this transmogrifier hit uh, you know, ancient tech that nobody knows exactly how it works, but you know, you you put wood in it and it makes tools. Until you're able to get the you know the wood uh, the the metalworking shop up and running to make tools on your own, right? And it uh, will annoy you for that, but it won't annoy you for about. Hey, by the way, um, you have uh, this many people, and you have enough food for this many people, right? 
people can just, you know, make it on their own. They'll be okay. Uh, bootstraps, right? Right. Pull yourself up by them. They're bootstraps. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this feels like a really good B tier game because uh, there's some interesting things here. And a lot of it is building up essentially getting a town to kind of equilibrium and then going on to another continent and building up there and then researching stuff to send back home, essentially. Uh, but at the same time, you hit kind of a cap on population. So, like, people are coming up from this hidden bunker that they survived the end of the world in. And there's only, like, 40 people there. And once they're all out, uh, it, things significantly slow down on the amount of population you get because you have to start, uh, you know, essentially breeding people. And it seemed, or I should say, it seemed like I didn't get much further beyond that because I also hit the issue of, okay, so how do I research? Oh, I have to ship stuff back. Uh, whenever I was also trying to, uh, you know, ship back other stuff to, uh, uh, to the home, uh, to uh, be able to, you know, prop up uh, some industries there. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I'm sure if you throw enough ships at it, yeah, the problem would resolve, but it just, it felt, eh. You know, I was busy playing the other thing anyway, so, mm. I, I would, I would suggest trying it out, especially if you're a fan of, you know, all these little genres that kind of meshes together. Uh, but it's, it feels a little rougher than it should be. And I'm not sure if it's just, you know, my expectations of it, if it's just uh, the map system that they decided to use, waste so much space or if I just got a bad map because there's also that as well with procedural generation right Right. you never can never can totally be sure I mean I will say that it goes on sale cheap as we're recording this which the offer ends uh, actually uh, next Monday it's on sale 65% off for 7 bucks and for that price it's hard to argue on you know yeah, especially when it sounds like it's a decent game. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's worth a little bit of money. It's a decent yeah, game. Yeah, uh, people are comparing it a lot to the Anno series, and I kind of could see that. It does have, uh, like I said, some quirks where you, know, you have to worry about pollution from your industries a bit more than I would like. Uh, but, uh, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's tough to argue the price. It's definitely... Uh, it's normally 20 bucks. That's not too bad for this. Uh, and uh, some of the quirks, it's just, you know, kind of having to figure out, like, bridges could only span, uh, uh, like, one tile, which is annoying. So if you're in a bad spot on, on your map, you could, uh, get kind of hurt. Because, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, and you also can't have things go under a bridge, so you can't like build an overpass and have a, a a path go under it because one thing per tile, right? Right. I was gonna say that's kind of annoying, but yeah, one thing per tile. One of those weird video game logic game restrictions. Ding, ding. How? Uh, who actually developed this? Uh, it actually looks like it might be in-house uh, Team 17 as well. I mean, it has Bouncing Monkey games, but you click on them and it goes to Team 17, so 
Uh, same uh, team or same publisher that did my time at Porsche. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. A my little bit. A, 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 a little. Yeah. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Me too. You know, but you know, a, a little bit jank, but overall not terrible. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You, you like a little bit of jank. A little bit of jank is, is fun and interesting. So speaking of fun and interesting. Yeah, actually. Yes. Um, so I played Aircraft Carrier Survival, which I don't know why the survival is in there, unless it's just like pure marketing or whatever, which, fair enough. Um, but it, this was on sale during the survival game sale for like 50% off. Um, maybe not quite 50% off. It was like 10 or 11 bucks. Maybe it was 30 or 40% off. It, anyways, this is a... World War II carrier management game, I guess is the best way to describe it, where that you are the captain of a World War II era um, aircraft carrier. And there's two modes. There's career mode, which follows the timeline of, of the Pacific War. And then there is a, um, I guess you could say like a, a free play mode where that it, plays out various scenarios across the entire Pacific theater and your, I guess this is where the survival comes from. And essentially you do missions until you lose. Um, and then your, you know, your run is over. Um, it's, there's not a lot to say, but it's a very tight game. Um, it's very focused on its mechanics. And I think if you like this type of game, you're going to like it. And if you don't like this type of game, there's nothing here for you. Um, you start the game off as, like I said, the the captain of a of an aircraft carrier, and you've got a very you've got essentially an escort carrier. I can't remember off the top of my head the different class names for the carriers, but you you've got essentially an escort carrier, which has a small number of squadrons, has a relatively small crew, can only have a few officers on board, and you're doing sort of the the training wheels missions that are very directed very guided you know do this specific objective if you're able to accomplish these bonuses then you can get some extra stuff you know some extra resources um i mean it's basically got two in-game currencies um one is um research points and the other is acquisition points research points you use to upgrade all of your stuff acquisition points you use to get new stuff um pretty you know, simple and straightforward. And as you progress through the game, the missions start to get more and more open-ended and there's still bonus objectives, but you unlock um, more aircraft, better aircraft. Eventually, I don't have any of them yet, but eventually there are two other larger classes of carrier that you can get, um, which have much more aircraft carrying and launching capacity, larger crews and more officers. and then you unlock escort ships, which make up your carrier strike group. And the escort ships do different things. For example, you can have other escort carriers that allow you to launch additional fighters to do missions for you. And I'll, I'll talk about the mission types in a minute. You can get destroyers or cruisers, which provide anti-air or anti-submarine defense. You can get a submarine, which allows you to launch periodic submarine attacks against enemy fleets which can um 
destroy transports or other small that small craft and, and give you bonuses. You have resupply and repair ships that can be a part of your fleet to, for example, it can replenish a certain number of destroyed aircraft squadrons once per, um, you know, mission or can give you additional repair crews or, um, other bonuses to your, your stats. There's a decent variety. There's maybe 15 different escort ships that usually come in two or three different tiers, which tiers is the wrong way to say it. A, B, and C types. For example, the Fletcher Destroyer Class 1 is anti-sub. The Fletcher Destroyer Class 2 is anti-air. Things like that. So you can mix and match your escort fleet. Um, You can have up to five ships at a time in your escort fleet. In every mission, they have a cooldown period, so you need at least ten different escort ships to have two full escort fleets. Um, But Depending on the mission, you might want to take a fleet that's more focused on air defense or anti-sub defense or or whatever. Um, And so, you know, like I said, the game progresses as you go along. The more bonus objectives you get, the more acquisition points and the more research points you get. That basically gets you through this tech tree faster. Um, Your basic, the, the goal of the game is to manage this carrier strike group. So you are pretty consistently managing what aircraft you have on the deck at any given time. Do you have, you know, fighters on deck ready to launch if you need a combat air patrol? Do you have bombers or, you know, dive bombers or torpedo bombers on the deck? You know, are you uh, doing some anti-shipping or attacking a ground base or doing submarine patrols? Um, And you're sending out these air groups pretty consistently in order to complete your objectives. You know, scout for enemy vessels, sink them, defend a fleet, destroy the airbase, um, those, these sorts of things. And these are all, like I said, the, the campaign mode follows the, the Pacific theater, you know, the timeline of the Pacific theater. And there are some minor differences in specifically how you carry out the missions. For example, if you're familiar with a certain um, naval operation, and you know what ships were sank and what ships didn't. There could be some changes there depending on how well you do assisting with the mission. But otherwise, it, it's you know following the World War II timeline. I don't know if that ever diverges at any point. I'm still in the first chapter of the campaign, and I've completed half a dozen missions so far, and they have already opened up quite a bit. Um, the first couple of missions take 20 to 30 minutes of real time to do. And the mission that I'm on right now, I've been at it for two hours, and I'm still not done with it. So that's, um, you know, the the gist of what you're doing. And everything else is a sub, you know, a, a sort of, um, you know, drill down action or specific thing that you can do that's designed to make that more efficient or um, give you more options of strike strikes to carry out. Your officers are used to carry out orders, um, and orders do different things. Uh, For example, you can order your ship or your ships into a defensive formation, which will increase your aircraft defense. Or you can order them to, depending on this, this depends a bit on your escort ships, but you can order them to do sub pickets so that submarines, you know, you'll get a little notification like, sir, our allies have reported submarines operating in the area. And so if you've got 
fleet, you know, the, the right fleet composition for that, you can order them into anti-sub patrols, and that takes officers to do. Um, whenever you have to resupply your ship, you have to dedicate an officer to that. Officers can be dedicated to damage control, which improves the automatic reactions of your damage control teams. There are also, in the bridge superstructure of the ship, um, you, you zoom into that, there are different rooms. The more officers you have, the more quickly you can change the configurations on these rooms. Um, they have, they call them switches, but it's kind of like a different focus that you put a room onto. So, for example, there might be a combat air patrol room. And um, if you go in there and you activate that, then you get one more combat air patrol that you can launch and manage from your carry at a time. But doing so might mean that you can't launch an anti-sub picket or might mean that you get one less um, strike group to, you know, that you can send out um, or one less scout plane or something like that. So there's a lot of mixing and matching for the mission that you're doing and having more officers allows you to more quickly change those room configurations. You do have them at all times. It's not like you have to have X number of officers to unlock the rooms, but the more officers you have, the more quickly they can run around and reconfigure stuff on the fly for you. Um, finally, you've got crew management and crews are sort of generic pictures of World War II era Navy people. Um, I mean, you can see people running around. If you zoom in to the superstructure or if you zoom in to the, you know, inside the hull, there are people walking around doing things when your ship takes damage or if there's an accident below deck, you know, there might be a fire started or some flooding and you see damage control crews go to deal with that. But generally speaking, your crew management is, um, a menu where that you drag crew members around to do different things. So there might be three slots available for damage control. And so you drag three crews up there and there are your three crew member icons up there. And then that's how many damage control teams you have is three. Um, there's at least on the carrier that I have, there's two anti-aircraft slots so that if you drag two crew members over there, then you get a bonus to your anti-aircraft guns. Cause it's like, you've got more people manning the guns and, there's one for the flight deck and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's that's what you're doing. The only sort of additional piece is whenever you have found a fleet or a base that you're attacking. You know, the, the mission I'm on right now is I'm providing close air support to a couple of naval strike groups that are hunting down Japanese um, shipping, you know, uh, transport operations and i'm providing air cover from a, a nearby land base and then defense against any fleets in the area and so i will send out a scout flight um to go scout an area where that i've gotten a report that there are some ships or i can just scout areas in general to be proactive when i find a ship you order an airstrike and in ordering the airstrike there's sort of two pieces to this the first is you know actually um, putting in the order on the map and it brings up, you, you can see if you look on the Steam page, this menu where there are cards um, and based on however much intel you have on what you're attacking you get more information about how effective your attack strategy is going to be and these cards represent attack strategies. Some of them are based around maneuvers like the Immelman maneuver which was a real World War II um, anti-aircraft or anti-fighter maneuver developed by wildcat pilots to 
utilize multiple wildcats in order to cancel out the Japanese Zero's um, agility advantage. The Zero could outturn a wildcat, but the wildcats had a lot more armor. So they would essentially use, it was called the Emblem Maneuver, but they would use decoys to draw out, you know, individual Japanese fighter pilots and then pounce on them. And so, you know, you get a move named after that. But the others just represent, you know, different types of attacks. And that attack might need two torpedo bombers or two dive bombers or or whatever. And so you put this together and it gives you a rough estimate based on your intel of how much damage you're going to do and how much damage you're going to receive. Once you get this decided, then you have to put the fighters actually on the flight deck and then launch the strike. And that's it. Then you're just waiting. Um, you do have a map you drive your carrier around on. For the most part, you're trying to avoid enemy contact and make sure that your carrier's where it's supposed to be so you can pick up your fighters um, so they don't have to ditch in the ocean. Um, that's the number one way I lose things is is my carrier's not where it's supposed to be and my fighters have to ditch into the ocean. That sucks. But um, that's the game. And I think it's solid. I think it's rock solid. I find the mechanics really engaging. I feel like they're balanced well. The first couple of missions are pretty easy, but already, you know, I'm feeling a certain degree of challenge. And you find yourself really trying to eke out, like, as many airstrikes as you can every day. Because because this is World War II, you don't have a lot of night fighting capabilities. There might be later on, as I research more technology, I might be able to launch night raids and night strikes. Um, but your your time to launch aircraft is from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Aircraft that are out, as long as you recover them, they're fine. They have a higher chance to crash in the middle of the night when they land back on the carrier. But, um, you know, you can't launch any other strikes. And it might take, in, in game time as the clock takes, it might take an hour in game for you to ready a, a really heavy airstrike that uses maybe six, um, you know, six is the maximum I can launch off of my carrier, my, my current size carrier at a time. So it might require you to launch six um, groups of, of planes. And it might take you an hour to ready that on deck and then another hour to launch them all in you know in game time so you're like con you know i'm constantly like trying to you know maximize how many strikes can i do in a day how effective are they going to be you've got to launch other things like i said like combat air patrols or scouting missions or you know um anti-sub operations or close air support for other you know ally ships or land bases and i find that gameplay really solid and compelling but if you're the sort of person who doesn't like that there's nothing else for this game to offer you so i really like it but if it's not for you then it's definitely not for you and i think that shows it's got mixed reviews on steam and most people from the reviews that i've read are like yeah i like this i like this gameplay maybe a bit grindy but you know i I like it or like i hate this gameplay this is not what i thought it was going to be this sucks that's kind of the two reviews there's not a lot in the middle so yes there so, you go. Uh, shall we go to some popcorn gameplay yes indeed I'm, I'm gonna take a drink and rest my voice a minute so you you lead us in so in our latest series of dad games <laughs> <laughs> we have power wash simulator 
Also on Game Pass, so at least that's where I've been playing it. Uh, is that Same. where you've been playing? Yep. Same. So Power Wash Simulator is pretty much what it says on the ten. It's a first person game where you have a power wash gun, you know, or one of various power washers, and you're given a task of cleaning X, be it yeah. At first, you know, just your own van. Uh, some rather disgusting <laughs> playgrounds, uh, skate parks, locomotives, which I'm sure your kid absolutely loves. Uh, and just, it ramps up into more complex, not just locations, but also vehicles or other things to clean. Yep. And it's so satisfying. Uh, an ad actually popped up uh, while Adi and I was watching YouTube the other day. And she says, oh, look, it's that game I saw you playing. You're right, that does look react- relaxing, because, it, you know, it's just sitting there, you know, kind of music going, just, uh, you know, power washing dirt off the of stuff. Yeah. It's a very yeah. relaxing zen experience. Um, For the most oh, part. <laughs> also, to anyone listening, like, power washing and pressure washing are the same thing. I think that's one of those regional things because I've never heard anyone call it a, a power washer. It's always been a pressure washer in yeah. my yeah same locale. Might, it might be yeah like a further northern or I don't know. Yeah, which you know it doesn't matter. But in case anyone out there is is listening and like what a power what also called pressure washing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I have enjoyed real world pressure washing for a long time i used to work for lowe's um they shitty employer hated them but one good thing was two or three times a year at least sometimes more during like the busier like summer months we would have to pressure wash the outside um the outside lawn and garden area and i would always volunteer to do that because it was a lot of fun and i've got you know i would just that was the one day that they were like yeah you bring your headphones whatever you know, just do that, spend, you know, an entire eight hour shift or more sometimes, depending on how gross it was doing that. Um, and I have been doing a lot of pressure washing recently because I've been having to uh, reseal the siding on my house and you, you got to you got to clean it. And the easiest way to clean it before you seal it is to just pressure wash it. So been doing a lot of this in real life and in the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pros and cons to both of them. You don't get wet when in playing the game. Um, that's that's nice. And that's also a con for the game. You don't get wet. Oh, I get wet. Just not not with water, if you know what I'm saying. It's coffee. So, I spilled coffee all over myself. <laughs> and no, that does not make you more attractive to me. Sorry. Damn. Well, I tried. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think my big gripe with this is... Uh, that it takes so long to uh, get new stuff, right? Yeah, you're a little bit farther than I am. There um, are four uh, pressure washers, or four? yeah, there's there's four pressure washers, and each one has a number of attachments. Some that you can skip out on. There's like different extensions on and different nozzles. Uh, I typically just go for one of the short nozzles and uh, the longest extension I can. Yep, my longest extension to the, the, what is it, 15 degree and 25 degree um, nozzles, which you get by default. I do like the spinning yeah. 
nozzle that's useful. Yeah, which that uh, that's why I get the long extension is that the longer the extension, the faster it spins. I didn't know that actually. I haven't noticed. Yeah, I, just, di- I just use the long extension almost all well, the time. Well, if you have the like the just the gun and not the, one of the extensions, it spins you know, somewhat fast. But if you get go immediately to a long extension, which I do like that you could go that you could switch about pretty quickly by hitting one, two, and three. Yeah, or just go in uh, to the inventory on E and swap everything around if need be. Uh, but yeah, it makes a substantial difference with just how quickly that spins, which could make things a lot easier. Uh, I, I do use soap sometimes, but it things have to be pretty grimy on it. it so basically, uh, there's a good way to describe it is like. Uh, different levels of dirt have like different numbers of health bars, and the wider the angle the uh, nozzle has, the less powerful it is, but the more area it's covering. So if you hit something with the proper with uh, soap, it knocks off so much health, and then if you hit it with the proper one, like hitting something with a multi uh, plastic with plastic cleaner, multi-purpose with multi-purpose cleaners, metal with metal, wood with wood, that sort of thing. It's more effective and cleans up quicker. And you can, you know, essentially uh, clean something that's absolutely filthy with just soap. But it's also expensive. And, you know, you you have a limited amount that you, it's available at any one time, at least in the campaign. If you're going back in free play, which you could do to grind out something. Or, or and uh, to, uh, yeah, uh, grind out for a little bit more cash. Or going on to one of the special missions, which is limited and has different rules, which we'll get to. Uh, have you done any of the special missions, actually? I haven't yet. Um, okay, uh, okay, I then I'll, into, I'll talk but... about them. Uh, but uh, you can go back to uh, various levels and grind out a little bit to get more cash to be able to buy better stuff for your career mode. And the special missions are... You're limited to a particular power washer and so many uh, uh, soaps, but you're also paid a bit better, and sometimes you're in an odd location like bars. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've I'm seen not that joking. one. You clean the Mars rover. I- I've seen yeah. that one. I haven't done it. Uh, the train one is actually kind of interesting. And as you go through the game and unlock various places, uh, places get more complex, like uh, either just in scope or a, a mechanic like, uh, well, you haven't gotten to it yet, but like the mayor's mansion. And there's a storyline going on with like the mayor's cat is missing and a volcano's erupting that's causing all this mayhem and all the dirtiness because it's, whenever you go to a location, it's like the house absolutely filthy. Everything around it perfectly clean. <laughs> right? I, yeah. I found that amusing. Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, the mayor's house got egged, and you're not allowed actually on the property. So you have to use, like, the long spray, uh, long extensions and, uh, the, uh, yeah, direct nozzle, spinning nozzle, to, like, uh, spray egg off the mayor's house and graffiti off the wall, that sort of thing. Um, I haven't, I haven't gotten that one yet. Yeah, the, not that uh, far. Yes, if uh, if a if a vehicle is smaller, it tends to be more complex, like a lot of little nooks and crannies. Or uh, uh, I will say that it's 
uh, uh, locations are broken down into various parts. So, um, uh, using the uh, fairy tale boot, for example, like the uh, which uh, you get, like, uh, yeah, uh, the old woman that lives in a shoe, you're like cleaning her house, all right? Yeah, which is cute. Uh, like the sole of the shoe might be one part. Uh, the laces are another part, each individual section of lace. Uh, outlets might be a part, windows are a part, and so on. And you might have a, like, t- a list of 20 or 30 different individual parts, which each one might have, like, between one and, like, a dozen different uh, uh, members of that group. Which sounds daunting, doesn't it? But... There's an autocomplete, so you complete like 99% of a part, and it's like, okay, good enough, and ding, you're done. Yeah. Which can lead to some oddities, like if you're cleaning up something that's absolutely massive, like, whatever you get to the skate park, it's not a very complex area, but it's large, and like the main floor of the skate park is one area. So, it's actually very easy to hit that uh, threshold, and there's just you know, like this, uh, you see this filthy patch just blink out of existence as it as it marks it clean. Or some of the walls, uh, especially with graffiti, which might need you to just sit there and power wash it for a bit. You'll just see graffiti just disappear because, you know, yeah, good enough. But, yeah. the fl- but the flip side of that mechanic is that parts that are very small, it'd be like, okay, well, where's this one particle of dust that... Is too much for the autocomplete to complete, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I found that with especially with like little complex parts. It's like uh, especially well, on I vehicles. Can't, I can't see it. I'm just gonna spray from every angle until it dings for me. Yeah, vehicles are very bad about it. And also, uh, sometimes you'll get a part that it, it looks clean from all angles until you like get into one particular angle and look at it. It's like, oh, that's where it's dirty from. Yeah. Uh. uh uh, roofs are very bad about this, especially like, you know, weather vanes and that sort of thing, because, you know, you have to like stand on top of it and look directly down. It's like, oh, that's where it's too dirty, right? Yep, and down then, on and, the inside. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, uh, a little bit of immersion breaking if nobody would, uh, you know, care that much, right? Mo- no, mm, maybe. I've known some really weird people in my life. Yeah, like your mother. True. Some some real Karens would care about that. But, you know, there's uh, been quite a few times where you have to be, like, in the perfect uh, spot and look at the perfect angle to be able to see that one speck of dirt that's keeping it from being autocomplete, right? Yeah. Yep, I've had that happen a few times, but most of the time you get more of the other one where it's like, oop, that huge pa- patch of dirt just blinked out of existence. Yep. Yeah, ding, 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 right? Yeah. But, and, I mean, it, I do appreciate very, that. Yeah, it's very satisfying overall. Uh, like I said, that's typically towards the end of a map, though. Yeah. And you you kind of mentioned this a little bit. There are little storylines that are going from map to map, or some of them, you know, extended over multiple maps. But, you know, you just, as you're going along and your progress bar is ticking up on the clean, you'll get little messages on your phone or tablet or whatever that's supposed to be that's, like, that that are go along with whatever it is and you you'll get them occasionally for the next thing that you unlock so like so far one of my favorites has been whenever you're cleaning the house for the elderly couple and uh it's like yep uh 
it's like this guy's grandparents or something. It's like, yeah, Paul pa says that all the dirt and everything gives it character, but he's an idiot. So Ma obviously didn't listen to him. And that's why you hear pressure wash again. It's like, yeah. My favorite one is uh, the Breaking Bad RV. Which I haven't it, got to yet. I've seen it. They like show that in the, the yeah, trailer. Yeah, they they make a few uh, allusions to it. They don't you know, call out uh, exactly. But right, yeah. Um, uh, there's a helicopter that you have to clean. Like, uh, it's a, a holdover from like two or three different maps. So yeah, like the uh, the mayor's cat ran off, and it's called and there it's causing all sorts of trouble. And they think they spot it on the rim of the volcano, and so they send the uh, fire rescue helicopter, and it gets absolutely trashed because. Yeah, you know, it's flying into a volcano for a cat, right? Yeah. And uh, and they're having a press conference to talk about the mayor's missing cat, so they have to clean the helicopter. And by they, they mean you. Right? Which, it is a job that I welcome. Because it's, you know, as you have said, it's very satisfying. I mean, for the most part, I'm playing this game and um, listening to a podcast um, or have a YouTube video playing in the background. It's it's been good. It's been very good. I, I do often play games with podcasts or things running in the background. But here lately, between playing the Pokemans for Game Club and playing um Aircraft Carrier Survival, like those are both games that I've been giving my attention to. And I haven't played a lot of anything else. Well, I've I've still been playing Hunter Call of the Wild, but that's for the most part I either have soft music or just nothing playing with my headphones on so I can listen for those pesky animals I'm trying to track. <laughs> so I've not been doing a lot of, of podcasting or YouTubing while I'm playing games. So the power simulator has been really good for me here lately um, to, to re-engage in that. So yeah, for me, I, I will have uh, YouTube on low, but occasionally I'll just, yeah. I uh, hit it, pause, and right. Yeah, so it's it's good. I mean, it's it's on Game Pass right now. It's how much is it on Steam if you buy it? It's twenty five bucks. Looks I'm, like according to this, it's been it's, seventeen it's a, on Steam. Yeah, it's a little tough for me to say twenty five bucks for this. Uh, just because, yeah, you know, it it's definitely an acquired taste. You know. Yeah, I do think you have to be the the right sort of person for this, but and that's why I think you yeah, have something like Game Pass makes a lot better, right? Yeah, I'm actually one of my clients. Um, the reason I started playing it was one of my clients was talking to me, and she was like, "You know, I know that I, I don't know if she listens. She knows about the podcast. If you're listening, hello, you know who you are." Um, she was like, "You know." We, we, you and I talk about games all the time, like whenever we're getting started or winding down therapy sessions. Like, do you have X, Y, or Z game? And she asked me about a few games. I was like, Yeah, I have Game Pass. You know, Power Wash Simulator. And she's like, We should do. We should play Power Wash Simulator next session while we're doing therapy. And I was like, You know what? We should do that. I need to play so I can get past the tutorial and stuff <laughs> and get a few things. So her therapy session is tomorrow. So. Yay! As long as nothing has gone wrong, I'll be playing Power Wash Simulator for therapy, and that's that's one of the like the you know really common reviews 
or, or comments I see about it on places is like, it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So uh, sadly, like, right? Yeah, sadly, at least in America. I don't know about other places, but cheaper than therapy here. I mean, 10 bucks a month on Game Pass, at least till they take it off, right? Yeah. Which should be you know, a fair amount, Tom. Yeah, hopefully that's a ways away. Mm. It'll happen eventually, but yeah, it's a it's a good game. I enjoy it. No regrets having done some power washing. Yeah, maybe you could get her to play uh, Skate Burb next. Skate Burb's still on Game Pass? Yeah. I'll ask her about it tomorrow. Yeah, hey, yeah. you ever play yeah. Skate Bird? Yeah, some lo-fi skateboarding. Uh, 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 some Tony Hawking, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lo-fi beats although, the therapy too. Uh, although I will say that yeah, it does get a little bit more cumbersome than uh, Power Wash Simulator. Yeah. So, All uh, right. shall we mosey on to actually doing some news? Let's do that. Um, yeah, so tonight's first news topic. Crusader Kings 3 DLC prices hiked by Paradox. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, small price changes up or down. I mean, a, a price change up always sucks. And if it was a buck or two, this wouldn't be a new story on yeah, our radar. Is, yeah, this is essentially doubling the price. Yeah, they're going from... And, and this is doubling the price on DLC that's already out, minus uh, the first big expansion. Yeah, they're going from six ninety nine US dollars, six ninety nine US to twelve ninety nine US. So not quite a doubling, but close enough, you know, that I would say, yeah, they doubled in cost if I was talking to, you know, my my friends or whatever. Yeah. So I guess if you're invested in uh Crusader Kings three, get the DLC quickly, right? Because yeah. it's not going to change till September. But it's just oof, right? Yeah, the the TechRaptor article compares this stuff, in case you're not familiar, to the Sims 4 stuff packs. So very, you know, sort of flavorful things, you know, extra units, very minor game aesthetics or music, but it's not full, you know, expansion content or anything like that. And let's just put it this way. The reviews are very unfavorable right now uh, on, uh, uh, on Steam for... Uh, uh, the ones that are getting uh, spiked. Uh, let's see. Sp- uh, Fate of Iberia. Uh, the Sunkissed uh, line, Lands of uh, Iberia. Way, uh, looks like, yeah, I mean, basically adding more stuff in the area. So more thematic events, uh, decisions, and cultural traditions unique to Iberia, which is modern-day Spain and that area. Yeah, dress your character uh, up at like a true Muslim prince. Uh, I mean, right? It's just, it, this doesn't feel like it would be worth thirteen bucks, essentially, right? Honestly, it doesn't feel like it's worth seven bucks to me. Uh, but... Well, it depends on how much uh, they add uh, decision-wise, because that's kind of the thing, especially if you're wanting to play in that area, because. A big thing about Crusader Kings is, you know, role-playing. So if it's getting into the Muslim, you know, yeah, theme a bit more, now I could see somebody wanting to spend seven bucks, especially on, you know, all right? Yeah. 
But, um, you know, essentially their statement was, we're doing this because we don't feel like we were charging enough. Yeah. That's that's it. Which, you know, I mean, fair enough. I respect that honesty of like, nah, we could charge more for this, so we're gonna. But also, mm-hmm. like, fuck you. And, I mean, I wasn't buying any of these anyways. I wasn't... I, I played uh, Crusader Kings 3 on Game Pass. Yeah, but we, we did. We had a couple months maybe three months where we were like yeah crusader kings and then we stopped playing yeah because uh, that's kind of the thing with uh paradox games especially in-house developed paradox is that the base game it's fun for a while but then it becomes clear that oh well it needs like yeah half a dozen dlcs right or expansions yeah and that's what it kind of felt like to me is that yeah I mean, they've had their first big expansion, the Royal Court, and that's 30 bucks. I mean, honestly, at this point, I think if I wanted to play Crusader Kings, I'd go back to uh, Crusader Kings 2. Yeah. Which mostly we, because it has... They gave that away, didn't they, at one point, on Steam? Uh, I know there was a Humble Bundle with a good chunk of it, so... I just... I started, what am I doing? I started typing Crusader Kings in, like, the Windows 10 bar. <laughs> Crusader Kings 2 is free on Steam. The the base game, it looks like. Yeah, the, I mean, right? Yeah. And I have a fair amount of the DLC. Not all of it. Not even close to it. Uh, it oh, also has, hang on. What the fuck? Buy Crusader Kings 2 expansion subscription. 30 days. Sign up to enjoy all of Crusader King 2's content. And it lists it all. Uh... Auto renews for four ninety nine every thirty days. You didn't know that they did that. No, fuck you. Their subscription pass for fucking <laughs> DLC for a game that's ten years old. Kiss my ass. <laughs> fucking paradox. If it wasn't for the fact that you made BattleTech, which is my favorite game of all time so far, I would be very upset. But you're not. I'm I'm an addict. I have I have a problem. <laughs> and tw- I'm at twenty two hundred and sixty two hours for BattleTech on Steam. Yeesh. Uh, uh, do you think we need an intervention at this point? Three three thousand by the end of the year. <laughs> but yeah, we you, you know you might eventually need an intervention. If I stop doing things and only <laughs> play BattleTech, then yeah, please intervention me. Maybe a railgun. <laughs> yeah. Pooch. Yeah, I'm not sure if you could hear that, but one of the cats is trying to break into the room. I did not hear that. Okay. I have a but cat. Yeah. Try- I-, I-, I see a Paul sneaking under the door, like, let me in. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I-, I don't know if I, you know, I don't have anything else to say about this. Like, I, yeah, on the I one mean, hand, it is, it I is re- brazen, but it's also uh, honest. So, yeah, right. on the one hand, Fuck them, but also, on the other hand, I respect their honesty to just be like, yeah, we could charge more, so we're gonna. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, I guess. I mean, it does make me wonder sales prices. Uh, Is it gonna actually bring it back down to what it is currently, or? Because that's kind of, I mean, yeah, 50% off. That's kind of what I usually would do, is buy it on sale, but honestly, having the flavor packs at seven bucks a pop on sale, that's a hard sale, you know. Yeah, it's still better than The Sims. Uh, uh, sale, <laughs> all right. 
Yeah. Sale? What are you talking about? Uh, okay, here's 15% off. Enjoy. Yeah. Can't, I can't remember my... Oh, shit. Did I remember my EA password? I did. Or my origin password, whatever. I was actually going to go look at the Sims 4 stuff and see what it cost. It just released a new expansion, like, in the last week or two. Was Sims 4 Digital Deluxe resuming? What's it resuming? Install? Download? <laughs> what are you resuming? Can't hear you resuming. It's downloading four seconds. It's going to be done before I can even get in there and hit pause. Sh- All right, sure. Whatever. Extra content. What do we got? All right. Expansion passes. Oh, is there a 50% off sale on this stuff? My God. Hell must be freezing over. Oh, they're also on Steam these days, so. All right. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. 50% off on all of these is still 20 bucks a pop. Like, no thank you. I don't play The Sims enough for any of those, I don't think. The game packs are 30% off. The game packs are like their minor DLCs. So they're. 13 or 14 bucks a piece right now. And then the stuff packs are more what these are akin to. Uh, the, the Crusader Kings ones. And they're currently on sale for on sale 30% off. So they're seven bucks a piece. So, all right. I'm sad now. <laughs> well, let's, let's go laugh at something. Um, all right, well, are you done before I just move? Us yeah, on? yeah, I think so. It's just Google. Damn. Yep. Google Stadia demo room removed from New York City Google Store. Yeah, that's not ominous at all, is it? Nope. Right? Nope. That's what? Two years? Three years of Stadia? It honestly last has lasted longer than I thought it would. I really think uh, streaming gaming would work better in Europe first as a, a, as a yeah, proof of concept. Europe or Asia? Oh, Asia, right? Yeah. Pretty much any Asian country, except for maybe North Korea, you know, well, Japan, ha- ha- China. Ha- what, you just set up a server and let Kim Jong-un uh, you know, uh, play Fortnite? True. But maybe then he would actually let uh, you know, his peasants actually eat for once. If he gets a, you know, a chicken dinner, then everybody gets a chicken dinner, right? Uh, chicken dinner is PUBG. Whatever. But, I don't yeah. care. I, do you think I care about these? Have you seen all... Oh my god, you said Fortnite. I, my Twitter feed has exploded with people sh- doing you having Dragon Ball Z characters in Fortnite and that they can all do key blasts and you know, Kamehameha's and stuff. And I'm like, is this real? Is this, is this like a, a mod? Is this fake? But like the more stuff I see, I'm like, nope, it's real. Dragon Ball yeah. Z's got some deal with yeah. J- uh, Jim right Sterling uh, threw a fit about uh, yeah multiverses with WB flexing on how many things it owns. Uh, just imagine if they went off on Fortnite, where you could have you know uh, a Spider Man fighting Goku. Yeah, which sounds neat in my head. It looks lame as hell in Fortnite. Well, that's because it's Fortnite, and it is lame as hell. Yeah, you shoot at somebody, and a fort, uh, uh, well, a fort pops up around them, right? Yeah. Anyways, we're not here to 
laugh at Fortnite, although that's uh, what we're doing. It is rather ridiculous. And yeah, I saw that Goku and that shit pop up on my Twitter feed as well. Uh, okay, uh, I, I, I'm going to sideline here. Uh, time for a tangent. But what the hell at this point? We just we just started, so it's we're way past. Uh, I feel time. Dragon Ball at this point is highly overrated. Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z or are you just Ball, using uh, uh, the uh, the overarching thing? You know. Okay. Yeah. The overarching. I, I, I understand how important it was, especially in the West, as an introduction to anime. But its continuing presence feels like it's kind of overrated at this point. Yeah. I have fond memories of the original Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and I never watched any more than that, and I haven't seen any of it in 10 or 12 years, and I probably never will. I just remember in, like, late high school was when it was really starting to get popular, at least where I live, and I tried watching some of it, and I must have caught, like, in the middle of a fight, because it was, like, two episodes of just them yelling at one another. Yep. No, and, they I were... just found, and I found it so boring because I had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah. I've seen the original Dragon Ball out of order, so I don't know the exact storyline. I've seen Dragon Ball Z from episode one all the way through the end of the Cell Saga, which is a hundred and... I think 180 episodes somewhere in there. And I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't watched it since I was in college. And at the time when I was rewatching Dragon Ball Z or when I was, yeah, rewatching Dragon Ball Z, what I had seen before and then watching through, you know, up to where I stopped watching. Like even then there was new Dragon Ball stuff coming out. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's overrated. Most people at this point, that's what I say about most things when people are like, oh, what do you think about this? I'm like, oh, it was okay. It's kind of overrated. I have that conversation with people a lot. And they're like, you just don't like anything. I'm like, you're right. I'm a cynical old fart. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Let me be upset about things that I remember being better. I'll go to sleep eventually if you leave me in the corner long enough. <laughs> but yeah, Google Stadia is, is dead. Or, or, yeah. or, I sh- or I should say, it's not looking good. You know? No. If they're taking demo rooms down from their Google store, I mean, uh, th- th- this doesn't look good, does it? Nope. I mean, yeah, Stadia's, uh, Stadia's done for. They'll I mean, ride I, I, out as long as they can to squeeze out any money they can from it, write the rest of it off on their taxes, and like so many other shuttered Google projects, they'll close up shop and never mention it again. I mean, here's the thing, is that how many missing features are still, yeah, well, missing that they promised on launch? I'm not like, sure. Oh, I remember uh, them talking about, like, the uh, the rewind feature and uh, bringing in people to help or, you know, challenge modes, essentially. I mean, it all sounded so cool, but it's vaporware. They're in such a rush to push out stuff that they don't have it even close to baked it's not even half baked the cake is still uh, <laughs> sitting on the counter with, with the eggs not even cracked <sighs> looking for a particular article that I was going to uh, talk yeah possibly bring up 
Uh, I saw uh, a thing about them just adding achievements recently to Stadia as a beta feature. Yeah. Now, neither of us, I think, are really achievement hunters. Sometimes, yeah, but, you know, if it's a particular challenge or, you know, it's a nice bonus. But Typically, I right? at this point in my life, I only go for achievements if it's a game that I'm really interested in. I'm like, ooh, I want to try and, like, complete all the things. But, I, like, I generally don't care too much about achievements. I, I get what I get from playing a game, and that's that's that. But, you know, achievements are one of those, like, things now that are, like, this is just bare minimum what's in games these days. Every system from, you know, PlayStation and, or well, Sony and Microsoft and Val, you know, Steam and... Nintendo, yeah, like they all like have they, achievements. They, yeah, it looks like they added achievements a month or two ago. And what I was seeing was the ability to see achievements on the uh, app uh, on mobile added recently, which is also right. Yeah. yeah, that was another thing that they really pushed was you'll be able to game on your phone uh, to the cloud. Uh, yeah, on the go. Good luck with the current uh, infrastructure and uh, for Sandler here, right? Yeah, I mean, even if you have unlimited, you go over a certain amount on your data plan, they're going to throttle you, especially during peak times. Which guess yep. what is all those rush hour uh, th- times that you were showing off in your uh, in your commercials, which leaves you playing exclusively over Wi-Fi. And I mean, I guess you could be out in public somewhere, but good luck finding public Wi-Fi that's good enough to play games <laughs> like that. And if you're at home, well, then why the fuck are you playing a game on your phone? Play on a console or a PC or even a tablet that's got a bigger screen. I mean, there's some arguments for uh, uh, streaming gaming, uh, particularly uh, the investment. It's pretty much a requirement these days to have some sort of uh, of uh, cell phone for banking and such. And that would be the minimum barrier to entry to be able to stream games to, in theory. But I really don't think that... I think infrastructure is putting such a hamper on things here that it's just not really viable in the long run. Especially... A system like Stadia, where you're buying games piecemeal to begin with. Yes, there is a subscription feed or a subscription model that allows you to play a handful of games, but even then, you're starting to get, well, why don't I just go over here to Xbox, uh, spend, what, how much is a use like Xbox 360 these days or Xbox One? Guess and then get Game Pass, right? Yeah, I don't think you can get Game Pass on a 360, so you'd have to... I, I, I wasn't sure if 360 had access to it, so... So... Well, if I go on eBay and type Xbox One, you can get refurbished from the Microsoft Store on eBay with a 500 gigabyte hard drive and a controller. But no connect! <laughs> $184. Uh, looks like it has free shipping. So you can get a refurbished one, not even, you know, just one from a and a random seller. 100 and, let's say 190 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um looks like there's a couple I mean, of models I mean, I like realize, the standard I mean, I realize, black Xbox. I mean, I've realized that you know, this is still a privileged thing and that yeah, you know, 
uh, some people can't afford to spend, you know, uh, let's, let's call it $200 after shipping and taxes and everything uh, to be able to get into gaming. And, you know, Stadia is a decent thing for that, but it's just, right? Yeah. It, I don't think it's going to be a good experience for them, and they're going to play it for a couple of days, uh, maybe, you know, uh, maybe a month or two, and then just fall off of it. I just Stadia's always felt like a product searching for an audience. I I have always said, and I maintain this, that one day streaming video, as long as we're not swallowed up by the sun and you know the destruction of our planet with climate change before then, you know, one day game streaming will be how the majority of the population engages with video games. There will always be an enthusiast market for people who want a dedicated box or to build a a dedicated machine, you know, like whatever the equivalent of the gaming PC is in 30 or 40 years. Cause I think that's how, how far away it is. But I do think that one day the majority of, you know, normal people who play video games will engage with it in game streaming because the technology will catch up to the pipe dream. You know, that that technological reality. Or like how VR was. Yeah. You know, there's a thriving VR community and audience for it because the technology got good enough. And, you know, it's not mainstream. I don't think V... I don't know if VR will ever be mainstream, you know, but I do think that game streaming on... I've talked about this before. It's been several years, but I have I have maintained that one day in 20 or 30 years, most people will have a single device that they carry around that does everything. And smartphones are close, but there are lots of things that smartphones and tablets can't do because they don't have the onboard processing power. But in 20 or 30 years, they will. And you will you will walk around in your house and you'll decide that you want to play a game and you might cast that to a larger screen or you might just play on whatever your equivalent smartphone device is and like that's what most people will do especially and, if you could get some of the uh if some of the folding screen tech uh continues to evolve you're able to like fold out your phone into essentially a tablet yeah and you know if, and i do think if uh, well one thing i think uh stadia really hurt itself with was its a la carte model it really should have adopted something like Game Pass. Yep. And, 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 I, and I know, I know, we're getting to the point where there's risk of too many different subscription things going on because Ubisoft is doing theirs now on a few different services. Uh, uh, Sony has been hinting at one. Uh, uh, there's some data miners that's found uh, hints of it uh, in uh, the Spider-Man's. Uh, uh, recent, re- recent release, and we're in uh, real danger of you know having Netflix play out again, where you know there was a couple really good streaming options, and then everything splintered off because everybody wanted a piece of that pie. And I'm a little concerned that uh, you know, subscription models could uh, do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but right. I don't think the gaming industry is is insulated or somehow it won't work because I've heard I've also heard people be like, no, it'll never happen in the game industry because video games are too different. And like, no, nope, it could happen to us. It probably will happen to us at some point. It might just take a different amount of time. But, you know, it, it, it could it could play out differently. 
it it might not work and sure there's always a chance it might never happen but i seriously doubt that the video game industry is the worst to pile on to like oh company x did this and it was successful well shit everything we do for the next 10 years is going to be this thing see live service games and subscriptions and microtransactions and loot boxes and and and, 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 you know yeah but anyways the king is dead all hail the king (laughs) that's that's yeah that's where we're at on this one i think so uh speaking of the king is dead yeah uh nintendo faces sexual harassment allegations oh boy right Yep. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one allegation so far uh, from a game tester. From a long-term game tester. Someone that's, according to this, their name is a pseudonym in the article because, yeah, privacy and uh, Japan, you know, and women's rights, and right? Yeah. So uh, a game tester by the name of Hannah, sarcasm quotes, uh, uh, was in a group chat with other game testers called The Laughing Zone. Uh, I, I initially set up to send memes back and forth and just, well, laugh along with others. Though the happy-go-lucky chat didn't stay PG for long, as one male translator, who was a full, deti- oh, sorry, Nintendo of America employee, so, right? Yeah. Uh, rather than another uh, contractor, was added to the chat, and he decided to post a screenshot of a Reddit post that explains why Vaporeon, Vaporeon is the best Pokemon to have sex with. <laughs> from there, it only got more and more explicit, referring to characters from Genshin Impact, one of which is a child in the game. Because, right? Aren't there multiple child characters in Genshin Impact? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, not only was Hannah subjected to explicit messages and very disturbing content via the group chat, but she has also realized that she was being paid less than her male co-worker who had been there as long as she had, and had a lower title than she had. When she decided to bring this to light, it took weeks for Antioch uh, to give her a raise. And even so, it was uh, still a dollar less than said male employee, just to rub saw in the wound, right? Yeah. So, I mean, right? Yep. Basically, it's one employee getting into a group chat and being an asshole and then just, you know, being allowed to get away with it. And I'm separating the pay issue from uh, the explicit uh, chat because that's also, right? Yep. I mean, they both suck. Yeah, we don't have enough context on the other one to know exactly what's going on there. Right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, they both suck. Both of them are bad. Um, and I'm not surprised by either of them. And mm-hmm. this isn't just like, a, oh, Nintendo's secretly a bad company. Like, all companies are bad companies. N- there are no moral or ethical companies. There are companies that are less bad. But when you get to companies that are this scale, they're all bad. So I'm not surprised that, you know, X company did bad thing. And Nintendo is really shady and shitty with how it treats people on the outside. So why yeah. would I, you know, why would I expect them to be any different to their employees? Yeah, especially uh, Nintendo also has a very competitive uh, competitive uh, influence on its different teams. 
Uh, now I'm trying to remember where I, where I heard about it. Essentially, the blue badge versus the red badge people. Oh, damn it. Basically, the blue badges are like the contractors and the temp workers. And the red badges, like, you know, uh, Mr. You know, Vaporeon fucker, uh, uh, are the full-time employees and are basically given additional benefits on top of, you know, what a, a typical employee is given. And because of that, the, it turns into essentially a caste system. Yep. And people that try to, you know, join as full-time employees and get the red badge are treated like, well, dirt. See, right? Yep. So, yeah, I don't, on on the, you know, sexual harassment, I'm sure this has happened other times mm-hmm. with other employees, and it's been talked about before, and I'm assuming this is the one that's gotten big enough or has slipped through the cracks that we're hearing about as the public. Or maybe there's other stories, and it's just they get buried, or nobody talks about them enough, and it doesn't matter. Who knows? But, you know, that's where we're, you know, where this is at. I suspect there will be more stories. There will be more people who come out and say, like, ah, yes, these things have happened to me and Nintendo, and and I I don't, I'm I'm worried about what the and is going to be, but also I'm not surprised if we, won't be surprised if we get to full on, like, sexual assault or, or worse, um, Mm -hmm. you know, other violent or otherwise. um, I will say that, thankfully, this is rather tame compared to some of the shit we've heard from other companies. Ironically enough, right? Yeah. Uh, a small silver lining, I guess, that it's not as bad as it could be, dot, 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 yet. Yeah, yet, as far as we know. Yeah. I hate that that's how I feel about it, too. You know, I would like to just be cool about the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this sucks, this is a bad situation. You know, they'll resolve it, but, I mean, yes, it does suck, and it is a bad situation, but it's just we've been here too many times before, and especially in recent history. I'm sure this stuff has gone on for decades in some of these much older companies, but especially in recent years, we've heard so many times, you know, Gearbox, EA, Ubisoft, Sony, Activision, all of these, you know, horrible stories and crimes being committed and not to mention discrimination like that's where the pay comes in is discrimination Mm. generally speaking i mean this is you know well known by anyone who's not you know a conservative asshole that women get paid on average less than men do for the same job with the same experience there are a few confounding factors that i will acknowledge yes but for the most part like those don't account for enough of the differences in the pay rate and this is just, you know, this is an example of that. And I'm sure that it's happening to many more employees at, at Nintendo as well. But, yeah, I do hope this, uh, if there's more of this, I should say, that starts a train of, you know, stuff going on at these companies to uh, come more to light. But especially Nintendo, if there's more going on, right? Yeah. And we have seen... In recent months, uh, the last year, I guess, unionization efforts starting to pay, pay off at Activision and employees at or you know from Ubisoft putting enough pressure on the company to cause them to make a few statements. And for EA 
for pressure being put on them for them to release statements and increase some workers pay in an attempt to stave off unions. Like there are small victories being won and hopefully they become massive victories and reshape the industry. But so it's not all gloom and doom. It's just mostly gloom and doom. That was cheerful. Absolutely. So cheerful. Shall we go? Shall we move on to something that's also doom and gloom? Sure. You you take the lead on this one. Okay, so heading on to Community Corner where Jim left us. Well, yeah, he, he sent us a thing a couple weeks ago uh, talking about, yeah, the Microsoft. Uh, well, I didn't put this one on this. Uh, we do have a second one that I didn't paste in because of an accident. Uh, Microsoft claiming Sony is paying developers to block rights to keep uh, them off Game Pass because, of course, they would be, right? Yeah, not surprised about that. But the one I grabbed, uh, Rockstar GTA Plus subscription service could launch on PC because, of course, it could, right? Yep. Uh, Because we're kind of in the wind-down phase of uh, GTA 5 and GTA Online, so time to squeeze every red cent out, right? I mean, we kind of talked about the other one uh, indirectly, so I don't feel too bad, right? Yeah. So I I mean, it doesn't surprise me, honestly, uh, seeing uh, a subscription model to to this come up, especially since they've pushed the paid uh, uh, transaction so much. I I wasn't aware that they had a... uh, or... Or if uh, we talked about it, I kind of blocked out that memory that they put out of subscription service. I do know that they uh, put it a literal casino. <laughs> because, right? Yep. I remember that. That was, that was uh, a while back when they put in the literal casino, but they, they did do that. Yeah. Yeah, so what is GTA Plus? Uh, I'm, I'm wanting to get the exact thing. Because, right? Yeah. And the article that they link to does not really help. So GTA. Oh, I was going to say this says the premium subscription model boasts a price tag of $6 per month, which sends users access to member only discounts, member only vehicle upgrades, exclusive rewards, RP, whatever that is, and in-game credit bonuses, as well as a monthly deposit of $500,000 in-game. GTA Plus also offers unique shark cards and a chance to claim properties around the Los Santos area. Um, this is notably the latter unlocks previous gameplay updates that players may have missed. Uh-oh, right? <laughs> yep. Okay, so I, I found on uh, Turtle Beach, uh, turns out they have a Deuce uh, feed on here as well. Uh, here, I just thought they did uh, headsets and that sort of thing. Yeah, same. Uh, uh, July of, uh, was the one I randomly grabbed. 1.5 GTA bucks on v- yeah, VIP contract finales. Two times on GTA money on standard time trials. Four times rewards on data leaks, which is a type of mission. A free master penthouse at the Diamond Casino Resort. Hey, there's the casino. A free Ocelot Locust uh, sports car, hundred percent of chance in of uh, diamonds in the diamond uh, casino heist, 
So, yeah, better rewards in that heist. 50% off of the Lester and Cruz support cut and uh, the Diamond heist. So, basically, you're getting more of the cut uh, from that, getting uh, a discount on the uh, penthouse decorations, three times daily ship claims in the casino because you have to spin that wheel, additional member bonuses, and free clothing and accessories. I mean... If you're severely hooked on GTA Online, I could see why people are buying into it, but it still feels scummy. Yeah. Especially with how absolutely grindy they've made GTA Online. And every single update, it seems like they make it even more and more grindy somehow. Hello? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'm just shaking my head. Like, <laughs> I can't hear that. You're right. You can't uh, shake, hear that. I'm just uh, shake uh, louder so I can uh, hear that your brain rattling around. I don't know if that came uh, through. Unfortunately, it did. <laughs> nice, or probably not nice. I I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're at the point where there's active rumors about GTA Six. Quite a few active rumors about GTA Six, especially it talking about going back to Vice City. Uh, with uh, uh, the woke <laughs> Hispanic uh, 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 main character is a Bonnie and Clyde situation. Because, of course, right? Yep. <sighs> I mean, we're seeing subscriptions pop up pretty much everywhere. I mean, uh, you were shocked about the Crusader Kings one. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> I mean... You're also looking at Crusader Kings. If you hadn't bought any of the DLC, uh, three hundred some bucks just for all the DLC, and if you're looking at yeah you know, the primary expansions, you're looking at a, probably a good hundred. I mean, hell, uh, let's see, thirty, sixty. Well, there's a hundred right there just on the big ones. Uh, and some of the older ones are still ten bucks a pop before yeah sale prices, which those sales right now. So yeah, I, I take it back. Probably more like one hundred fifty, two hundred. I mean, we're we're gonna see a lot more of these subscriptions pop up in weird places like this. And you know, I'm I'm actually shocked that Rockstar hasn't pushed out the subscription model on uh, GTA Online. Especially, didn't they give it away? Uh, uh, or, I, I don't mean the Epic thing. I mean, isn't it a free to buy in now? Or, or, oh, I'm not sure. They gave it away on the Epic Store at one mm-hmm. point. I don't know if it's still free, but I, I know that they gave it away at one point. I, I'm, now, now I'm double checking myself. Okay, it looks like they have it segregated. So there is a GTA Online only. It is still a paid option, but it's also a lot cheaper. So there is that. So you can get. With just the online only. Oh, the, yep. Nope. Get them for free. You know, hook them for free, air quotes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, whenever they, you know, start playing, and you're like, oh, you know, you could pay for our, uh, for the subscription pass. You know, you could do that, right? Mm-hmm. How cool would that be? You know, you, you, uh, you, you know, you do that. And then they, they got you. Got a bunch of people, anyways. And I've got me. Fuck you, GTA. <laughs> I I played your single player campaign years ago, and it was all right. I didn't even uh, play the uh, single player because I refused to deal with uh, Epic. Oh, this was before then. I I bought GTA Five 
Oh, God. Several years ago, um, I was still working at Omni, which would have been about five years ago, maybe six. It was on sale. It was like 20 bucks or something. I bought it. I played through the single player game or single player campaign. Enjoyed that well enough. Tried the online. Hated it because of how fucking slow it was and how many people were just wandering around like shooting you and killing you. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, fuck that. I'm out. I do know that, uh, yeah, a while back they have in, uh, made the uh, loading better, but that's yeah, not helping much, right? Yeah. So it looks like uh, just the online edition. It's like twenty bucks, uh, but that's console only. It doesn't look like the it's offered on PC. Yeah. I had to actually hunt around for a bit of for a bit to to find the the online version. It's just. Uh, it feels really scummy to see the free-to-play model in paid games like this. Especially games that are in the top ten selling slash revenue generating games of all time. Yeah. It's, you know, company's gonna company. They're just gonna get as much from people as they can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, GTA Five one day will be shut down. And all of this will be for nothing. People will, will not retain any of that. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, is that when GTA 6 eventually comes out, because, let's be honest, it will eventually come out, all the shark cards that you've bought are not going to... Uh, most likely. There, there is an outside chance that there'll be some transition over and that you'll get some sort of, you know, like, early bonus or something right yeah you'll get but, something but it won't be all that you've paid in for all yeah. that time that, that's why I have a especially ones that have such a massive focus on pay to win or pay to advance mechanics <laughs> outside of the whole you know I don't want to be fighting whales right uh, space whales or otherwise uh, but, you know, it, it just feels pointless to me. Yep. Can't, uh, can't disagree. It does feel pointless. So, uh, if you were to send us pointless things, or, right. yeah, or meaningful things, or things you w- wish us to just comment on, uh, inadvertently or otherwise, because, I mean, we did cover the other one Jim talked about, but, yeah. Uh, you could do so visualpodcast at gmail.com. You could drop by the Discord, which a link to that is on our website, visualpodcast.podbean.com. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's 1230. Uh, hey, Rage, why don't you, uh, hit him with them socials of yours? Oh, well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GameWorldCR, or if you to be my friend on Steam and only Steam. You do so over at Caffeine Rage on there. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist, also known as Jared. Uh, you can find me on not Twitter. That Jared, by the way. Not that Jared. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Not that I, other Jared. At JMA4707. Be my friend on Steam or, you know, on Discord. JArthur4707. 
as I go back up to the top. Uh, once again, vjobpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. You drop by the Discord or tweet them to us, vjobpodcast at, uh, uh, well, vjobpodcast on the Twitter or vjobpodcast.podbean.com with a link to the Discord and all our related stuff. And if you wish to support us, uh, patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incompetech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.